Most of the male runners figured if any woman wants to run 26 miles in a driving rain, let her run. But veteran Boston trainer Jock Semple thought the whole thing was silly. No, there's enough competition for women. What the heck? Why did they want to tackle the, the, the toughest thing in the world? It's just the women and their stubbornness just want to do something that they're not supposed to do. That's all there is to it. You know that. You're married. That was 50 years ago. In the time since, women have made remarkable progress towards equality in sport. Today, 40% of all athletes are women, and yet women still receive less than 4% of media coverage. The Iron Woman podcast wants to help change that. We interview female professional athletes and other remarkable women making breakthroughs in endurance, sport, and research. So that when I grow up, I will have heroes. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Rosalie. And you're listening to the Iron Women Podcast. Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a really bad sunburn? I sure have. My very first Kona, I'll never forget. It was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Zelio Sun Barrier SPF 45 is a zinc-based and water-resistant sunscreen. It's long-lasting, oil-free, and won't sting your eyes. I've used it, and it works great. I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelio's products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like Heather Jackson, Lindsay Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget someone? Oh, that's right. And our very own Haley Chura. Well, Zelio's products are made with high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions, and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our skin or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF 45, the Twix Chamois Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products, and the Body Lotion. You can use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 20% off. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for... Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. Hi, Haley. How's it going this week? Oh, Alyssa, it's, um, I think I'm on the road to things getting better. Finally. I know I was like complaining about a bunch of things last week and then I can't say everything got better. Things kind of got worse first, but now I think maybe they're getting better. I'm hopeful. Isn't there like, there's some kind of old saying, right? That like, it's going to get worse before it gets better or something. Or like last week you told me threes and I was at six and I'm not sure about your old wives tales here. (laughs) Well, we'll just keep believing. Maybe eventually one of them has to come true. But Haley, if I, if UVA did have a fight song of some sort, which actually they probably do. And I just don't know it. I would have been singing that to you during the intro because it is Monday as we're recording this, which is the finals of the college basketball March Madness for the men is tonight. And UVA has redeemed themselves from like one of the saddest stories ever last year when they lost to the 16 seed in the first round and they are playing in the finals. And I have to say there's like nothing more fun than 
being in a college town when this type of event uh, is going on. And you can just like, everyone's super nervous. It's really fun. There's like, all the students are out in full force. It's like people are fist bumping each other in public. We're like rocked and ready for this game tonight. I did. I didn't watch the game with Auburn where UVA won, but I heard about it at one point, but I did watch the women's basketball tournament. So I watched the Notre Dame UConn game because Muffet McGraw, the Notre Dame coach was getting a lot of attention for her speech that she gave over the weekend about her decision to not hire any male assistant coaches. She wanted a full female assistant coaching staff on her women's basketball team. And her reason being that plenty of, you know, male coaches have opportunities on men's teams and women need female role models. And she got a lot of praise for that. A little bit of, a little bit of, um, criticism as well, partially coming from the head coach at UConn. And then they went on, played that game and it was fantastic. I've never, okay. I I have to admit, I haven't watched a lot of basketball, but after that I did watch, I watched the Notre Dame UConn game. And then I watched the, um, which Notre Dame did win. And then the Notre Dame Baylor, the women's national championship, which happened last night, which was an insane game as well. And two female head coaches, which I think it was one of the first times that's ever happened for the national championship. Yeah. I and was, Baylor, Baylor won that one. By I one caught point. the end of that game. I will say, you know, I was looking at TV and I was actually about to, you know, put on something else. And my boyfriend was like, wait, like, let's watch the end of this game. This is such a good game. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, the women's final is tonight. And I realized, I think that's actually a change that they have put the women's final now on Sunday night. Like I almost think it used to be after the men's tournament had ended. And so it was kind of cool this year because you, I, I felt like I was able to catch more of the women's games happening like on the other days with the men. And so it was kind of like you were able to continue your basketball watching streak, which I really liked. I thought that was like hopefully a smarter way to do it and to have more people watching the women's games. But the Baylor Notre Dame game was really good. Except yeah, it was crazy. Was, team didn't win, so that was probably not. It was still like an insane game. Like they came back from like a 15 point deficit, and with like three seconds to go, it's like tied, or 16 seconds to go is tied. It was just insane. I mean, it made me realize, you know, that basketball can be fun to watch, and especially women's basketball. I mean, it was fierce. I loved it. But Haley, UVA tonight, <laughs> another big game. Like, let's not lose our keep our like. We got to keep our eye on the prize here. This is a this is a big moment for us. So for your your hometown. Your I'm just hoping favorite. I can stay awake. How did the Virginia women's team do? Um, <laughs> probably not as good. Yeah, <laughs> but they are doing well in the cross. Female role models. I know. I know. Role models there. But I heard you gave a big talk this week. I did. I had a super busy week actually. So I took some time to go. Um, I was invited to go to the Marion Military Institute, which is in Marion, Alabama. And I was invited as the keynote speaker for the women's summit that happened um, on day one of their leadership, their like capstone leadership um, symposium that they were having, having. So day one, I got, I actually asked, so if it was okay, you know, they asked if some of the runners could meet me and stuff before I even gave my talk. And I said, of course, but like, let's do a run to meet the runners. Right. So I was actually super excited. We had about 10 people come and meet me for a shakeout jog. And so the Marion Military Institute is now part of the Alabama Community College system. And so it's actually like a lot of students are using this. It's a military school. So they're cadets there. They often go to the service academies from there or go into ROTC programs at um, regular colleges after there. Some don't even continue military stuff, but it's just like a good two-year prep for life. 
stuff, I think. Our listeners probably don't know this about me, but I actually, I did go to the Naval Academy for my first two years of undergrad, but I actually took a gap year. So I was sponsored by the Navy Foundation, it's called, to take a gap year. And I basically was waiting on this like medical qualification because I had really bad eyesight. And so I took a gap year going to a private boarding school in Ohio. I actually chose a civilian boarding school, but I could have gone to MMI and done a year there as a cadet. And so that's what some of the the students there were doing. So I did feel like I had a little bit of a connection and I knew kind of where they were in their shoes. And so getting to run with them then speak to the women. And then the second day I actually was on, I shared my story again and then was on a panel with a man named Timothy Alexander, who was a top recruit uh, several years ago for the Alabama like football program, like out of high school, he was one of the top recruits to play football in college. And he was in a terrible car accident and is now a paraplegic. And so he had a really hard time in the beginning with that and then has turned his life around. And really, he's just so inspiring now to talk to people, to share his story. He actually ended up at Alabama and he became a scholarship athlete on their D1 football program as a paraplegic. So if you, that should just like give you a sense of how inspiring it is to have him around. And he is, I have no doubt that like, while he was on that team, he was still one of the hardest working athletes out there. He said he would like do all sorts of stuff that, you know, that he could with his upper body and anything he could do. Um, people actually might have seen a clip of him because he made it his goal to walk on the field, I think for the final game when he was at Alabama And it was on, he was on like Ellen DeGeneres. He was on like the Today Show, like all sorts of stuff because he, with um, some help, was able to get up actually and walk on the field during that game. And so he's just, you know, really super mentally strong. It was super cool to be on stage next to him and kind of talk to the cadets and and do all of that. Um, And so I was really glad, thankful to be invited. And it left me feeling super inspiring. I love that age of like, 18 to 20 ish people, you know, and, um, everyone was super eager and happy to talk to me and left me feeling quite inspired, which was good Haley, because I, I came home. So I was there for like this whirlwind two days and then I came home for a day and then I had an event and you'll be very proud of this event. I swam in a swim meet. I remember you saying you had a swim meet coming up. How did it go? It actually was really good. I was only swimming the 1650. Um, the distance events were on Friday afternoon, and I've never swum a 1650 in a pool setting before. It's a mile for people who who don't know. So I was swimming the mile, and it was super fun. Um, I seeded myself, so you have to like pick a seed time, which since I hadn't done it, I, I guessed 21 minutes, and then I swam a 2058. So wow, I was like, man, guess. maybe I should have picked a faster seed time. Maybe I like would have gone faster or something. But no, I think 2058 was was fast enough for me at this. Point. I I feel pretty good about having. Did you have a counter, or did you did you have to count for yourself? So I was planning on counting for myself, but luckily it was at George Mason University, and so the George Mason swim kids were counters. Like when they saw I didn't have nice. one, someone came over and was counting for me, which was awesome, and oh, they they did it correctly. Nice. So I was super thankful because it is it's. I was like I'll be fine. I count all the time in swim practice, but it is it's hard to like swim hard, like just focus on swimming hard and count your laps like that would have been a disaster and typically I can see the clock but like the scoreboard had so much going on because there was like everyone else is on the scoreboard and all the times were going and I was just yeah thankful that someone came over to help me so that was did fun. you catch 
I don't know if you caught this, but at the women's NCAA championships for swimming this year in the four by 800 free relay, which or no four by four by 200 free relay. So 800 free relay, the woman who was the anchor for Stanford. So each person swims a 200. She swam at 250. She miscounted. She <laughs> flipped. So it was like, thank goodness. They still won. So they won like to her feet. Like that's how far ahead they oh, were. Wow. Like, she was able to flip and they still won. And, but, and thank goodness she was going last <laughs> because otherwise that could have gotten. Oh yeah. That would have been dicey. Very, uh, yeah. Dicey there. <laughs> Someone was diving in, but so it does happen. So counters are good. I'm glad you had a counter. And so if you did swim, like in my head, I was like, worst case, I just always swim extra. Right. Because like the mat knows and they'd figure it out eventually. Right. Yeah. Like that has, I've seen that happen where, I mean, especially if it's not a relay. Yeah. You, okay. But you, but finishing to your feet is so much slower uh, than finishing to your hands. You would have gone like a, I might've been over 21. I know that would have been, that would have been awful. <laughs> I don't think it would have been, been 10 seconds. Oh, yeah. That'd be a really slow flip turn. <laughs> well, clearly you haven't seen me in the pool lately. <laughs> I've been taking my time, but so yeah, that was my busy week. And I have another busy week ahead of me here when I go to Tucson for, um, for camp. So I'll be sure to tell everyone about that next week. Yeah. Nice. Well, I will echo your sentiment on the 18 to 22 year olds. I, I had a couple of encounters with young people this weekend that were, I was really impressed by. I went to, uh, the astronaut, Scott Kelly, you know, the guy who spent a year in space. He, um, not to be confused with his twin brother who is running for Senate in Arizona, but the astronaut, the one who spent a year in space, Scott Kelly, he gave a speech at Montana state. And so I went and one of the cool things, I mean, it was a cool presentation, but it was, um, it was put on like the people who put it on were all these young women who went to school there. And then they did this Q and a with him afterwards. And I think the second question they asked was about gender equality within NASA, within the Navy, because he was a Navy test pilot before he got accepted into the astronaut program. So that was, I don't know, it kind of, it, it, I mean, these were fierce young women and I was just very, very impressed with them. And then my second one was when I was running on the treadmill this time I did not cry, but afterwards there was a woman who was on the elliptical, like two ellipticals behind me because of how the, how the gym is set up right now. It's like put all the cardio equipment on like an indoor track. So it's kind of a fun setup, but, um, because the roof collapsed on the actual gym, I think I talked about that last week, but she asked me afterwards, she actually asked if I was training for something, which made my day, which was a little bit better than, are you okay? Like, do you need help? <laughs> she, she's like, that didn't look like a, just a normal treadmill workout. And I was like, yes. and she was on the track team. So that was kind of cool. So yeah, way to go. 18 to 22 year olds. You're giving me hope for the future. I know lots of promising things coming from them. What else is promising is the fact that as this airs today, Haley, is we're going to have a winner for our Zelios April contest. That's right. This is the last day. If you want to, well, no, wait, as this airs, I think you can still enter. Yes. It will air Thursday morning. So it's promising that we will have a winner soon. (laughs) After at the end of the day today, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the day that it normally comes out, this is your very last day to enter that contest. Um, you can win $140 worth of prizes, basically the entire line of Zelio skincare products. That is the sun barrier, sunscreen, the swim and sport shampoo, conditioner, body wash, body lotion, the betwixt chamois cream, my personal favorite, and they're great products. They are vegan and cruelty free. And to enter that contest, you go to livefeisty.com forward slash win Zelios. That's Z E A. L I O S and just enter your information there and you'll be entered to win. I think it's pretty easy. Name, 
and email address. But yeah, this is the last day. So if you're listening on Friday, sorry, you missed out, but you can always go to um, teamzelios.com and use the code IRONWOMEN for 20% off. And Haley, we did have some mailbag roll in. So if you sent that in, thank you. And we'll be tackling some of these questions in the next few weeks. And anyone else can always send their question into ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. So our mailbag that we will answer today is from Christine. She has a question about open water swimming. So she's newish to triathlons and she doesn't consider herself a strong swimmer. And because she is also balancing her three young daughters, she has pretty limited time when she has time to swim open water. And so when she could, it would be like she's going and swimming open water alone. So she wasn't hesitant to swim in the ocean alone, but it sounds like she's been talking to the peanut gallery and the peanut gallery thinks that it's a bad idea. So she's asking for our opinion on that. And then she also says she has a hard time swimming with her face in the water because it's really cold sometimes, but also because the open water can be like not clear and she's afraid of all the creatures that she can't see. Which like is a little bit founded in Christine's case, I will say, because she snuck in here that she was stung by a stingray the last time she was out. So that doesn't seem fun. So like in summary, the questions are, do we have tips for fears of the ocean? How can she start putting her face in the water and sighting tips and open water swimming alone? Is that safe? Let's tackle that one first. Is it safe? Uh, Yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't know the exact situation, I think it's better to do it with a buddy. Um, I mean, sometimes if you can do it where like, it's like a roped off area, like some lakes or even ocean areas do have like an open water swim area. I won't say I've never, I have open water swim by myself before. If I do that, I'm, I usually will swim like parallel to the shore and it's usually not in like a very, um, you know, and there's usually other people around on the beach or something, you know, that what can, if something did go crazy wrong, someone could probably help me out. But I would say probably in general, if you can find a buddy, like I know that's hard, even if someone's just standing on the shore watching you, like they don't have to be in the water with you, but just standing on the shore watching you, that could be, um, you know, just gives everyone peace of mind. Yeah. And I think in the ocean conditions can change really quickly. So like, I mean, that can happen in any open water, but you do just want to be mindful of the fact that like, you know, it could be, you could find yourself into a situ- in a situation somewhat quickly if things change, but they do make those like buoys that you pull and they have like the little inflatable thing and you can carry your cell phone. If like, <laughs> I mean, you'd have to like, yeah. you know, like you could have your cell phone, you could have some sort of like an emergency thing. Like I carry that SOS button thing. What's that called? Um, the spot locator when I'm in the woods by myself and stuff running. So, I mean, you could throw one of those into there. You could do all sorts of stuff. And then you would have like a little float if you ever just needed yeah, a break, those- right? Those new wave, I think they're called new wave mm-hmm. swim buoys. Those are fantastic. Even if you're with a group, yeah. like I think those are like brilliant. And, you know, just even if you have that just for visibility for boats mm-hmm. or for, yeah, people on shore, everything. I mean, it's, yeah, I'm always all for the safety, but I would say Christine, she should, I mean, fear of the open water isn't, isn't unique. A lot of people have that. And we actually talked to Samantha Livingstone, I think our last episode of 2018, if you wanted to go back and listen to that. And Samantha is a you know, a a gold medalist, an Olympic gold medalist in swimming. And she talked about how she was afraid of doing, going in open water for many of the same reasons, you know, because it's dark because they're creatures and that, you know, just, it kind of, it freaked her out. And even though she was a really strong swimmer. So she, she talked a little bit about what they did. I think when she was on vacation, like her brother went out with her. And I think she even talked about, 
you know, just submerging herself into the water and just like looking around and, you know, just seeing what it was like and changing her mindset from what she felt. Like, instead of saying, oh, these rocks fell, feel slimy. She'd like, they feel silky and kind of the words that she used to describe things like helped in her brain, like to, uh, you know, just change her perspective on that. And then some mantras that, that just helped her, you know, just get over that, the, you know, the mental barrier, not that it's all mental. I mean, there are some physical things as well. It's, it is definitely real, but just, I think even when you are a strong swimmer, like everyone, you know, has those fears, but sometimes it is about changing that mindset and getting over, you know, that initial fear. I like how you pulled that out. I had almost forgotten about Samantha's tips with that. And I think for sighting, I think basically it's just practice for me. It has been Um, like if I do have an opportunity to be in open water, then, you know, I'm always looking for something to sight off. And I'm like, you know, if it's just me, I'm like, okay, there's that really weird looking tree over there. And like, that's what I'm going to use. You know, those kinds of things. If there are buoys or anything in the water, you can definitely use that. But even in the pool a lot, like during my warmups, I'll do like the head up drill where you can kind of put your head up and like practice kind of that water polo stroke, which you may or may not use in a race, depending on like what you're sighting off of and what you need to be doing. But sighting, I feel like is one of those things that the more you're in open water, getting used to just how the open water affects like your swim speed and the currents and how they affect like how you need to swim against the currents and things like that. Like as you feel that more, your sighting also improves because you're adjusting for that sort of thing. But it is, you know, I think just a matter, I think it's just a matter of practice, right, Haley? Am I missing? Yeah, I think it's practice. And I think, I mean, I, I had someone ask me, they're like, do pros sight? And I'm like, yes, I sight all the time. I probably sight every three to five strokes during an open water race. And, and I am pretty careful about sighting to uh, turn buoys and also, and then if you can, like sometimes sighting to a fixed point on land can be good if there aren't buoys, like Alyssa said, but yeah, I think it is practicing it, you know, and then you guys just get more comfortable with it. I think it's also like if you are in the ocean, when you have waves, like you want to try to time your sighting so that you're at the top of the wave, just so that you actually can see things. Otherwise you kind of just get a face full of water and that's just practice. And I think that's with everything. I know she said that she's a little bit short on time. I mean, I would just say like, even if you're out there and you can get out there for five minutes and just like go sit in the water and just get more, a little more comfortable, like don't worry about necessarily getting a workout in. Cause like Alyssa said, you can do a lot of these drills in the pool, do like, you know, six twenty fives and you know, on or six. Yeah. And like do half sighting and or sight every like five strokes or something like that, that kind of a drill in the pool. And that's going to be just as good as what you can do in the open water. But, um, but as far as getting over that fear, when you are limited on time, like any time you can spend in open water is good. And like, say you can't say you can just do the pool, do that. And then maybe like the days before the race, like just go out there and just try to get comfortable in, you know, and wear your wetsuit. So you're familiar with that feeling as well. Um, if it is a wetsuit swim, but just try to, you know, just, get used to those sensations and those feelings. And that will make race day a little easier. Yeah. And I feel like if you've already been stung by a stingray, surely that can't happen to one person too many times. So I think you've might've paid your dues there and hopefully, you know, you'll be not caught up in that again. I know. And the one thing I always tell myself, like when you're in a race, there's so many people around that no animal wants to be included in all that. Like, I think your chances are pretty slim. I won't say It has happened. Like things have happened, but I think the chances are really slim when you're, you know, just, yeah. Wild animals don't really like a bunch of agitation. Like, so I think, you know, your odds are pretty slim. 
thanks for to Christine for sending in that question. And like I said, if we didn't answer yours today, we will be getting to those in the next few upcoming episodes. Um, but we did want to get to our interview this week, and it is a special week for some of our listeners, I'm sure, because it is Boston Marathon Week. So that means that the next Monday is Boston Marathon, which is a you know, it's a holiday in Boston itself, but it's a big day for runners. I love kind of spectating that, you know, I, they usually live broadcast it on like Comcast sports or something. So I do like to follow that. And then of course, after last year's epic year with Des Linden winning with like the most epic conditions ever, right? I think we're in for another treat to see what happens this year. And our guest this week is primed and ready to be taking on Boston, but she used to be a professional triathlete. So Kate Pallardy was a professional triathlete. Haley, like, I know we've talked about this. In the days as we were starting racing as amateurs, we were starting Ironman. And then as we were going pro, Kate's Kate had kind of ended her triathlon career. Right. She's about our age, I think. Yeah. I think she's in her early 30s. But she just, she went pro when she was in triathlon when she was fairly young. So she was kind of one of those people that I looked up to. I read her blog because I was like, when I was thinking about going pro, I'm like, here's someone about my age who's already racing pro. What can I learn from her? So it's kind of been fun to see her, you know, her trajectory. And this was a fun episode to catch up with her. And so after her years racing as a pro, she did actually transition into ultra running as well. And so, you know, she's had several successes at that but most recently this last fall in 2018 she ran the JFK 50 mile and she ran that winning it in a time of six hours and 40 minutes which is absolutely phenomenal so we talked to her a little bit about her triathlon days she tells us some us some great stories a bit about her ultra running transition and then of course some of her her Boston prep and goal there so have a listen with Kate after a word from our sponsors Haley, do you know what our most popular Iron Women episode has been so far? I do, Alyssa, because you know I love the numbers, and it goes back to fall of 2017 when we interviewed exercise physiologist Stacey Sims. You are right, and do you know what Stacey Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with Noon Hydration to help formulate some products that have the female endurance athlete in mind. Noon Hydration products have clean quality ingredients and are also non-GMO project verified, which means top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon Hydration offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My personal favorite is Noon Sport Fruit Punch flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the Noon Sport in the grape flavor and our listeners can go to noonlife.com and shop with a 30% off code of IRONWOMEN to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know. That's noonlife.com with the code IRONWOMEN for 30% off. Hi, Kate. Welcome to IRONWOMEN. Hi, ladies. So as Haley and I were prepping for your interview, we talked about how we remembered following your career in the early days with Team TBB. Your blog is still online if anyone wants to go look that up. And I will say there are some real gems in there from those days. So it's definitely worth investigating for people. But one thing I didn't know at the time that I was following you your racing is that your path into triathlon was actually pretty similar to mine in that we were both ultra runners first and then picked up triathlon as a way to quote, like make a living or at least try to, right? So we were also both running those ultras at a time when not many other 22 year olds were. So how did you initially get into trail running and ultra running at such an early age? So my first race was, um, my first race ever was a 50 mile race in 
McNaughton, Illinois. Um, I kind of chose that just because I needed to do something that seemed adventurous, seemed maybe that I couldn't complete. I was not in the best relationship at that time. So maybe I was running away from something. I don't know. But um, I saw so many people running a marathon that probably even shouldn't be running a marathon. So I thought, you know what, I can finish a marathon. That's not a problem. I want to sign up for something that I don't know if I could finish or is going to take something more than just like going to take some guts. It's going to take some um, really digging deep. So my first race was the 50. And then after that, I was just hooked. I mean, I loved it. I, I, I never really was a big high volume trainer. I probably ran three times a week, three miles. So once I started getting into the ultras and learning, there was this whole other world of like running for three hours. It was amazing because it's totally different. Do you know what I mean? Going out the door for 30 minutes is totally different than going out the door in the elements with a pack, with food for three to four hours. So I just fell in love with that because it's a little more adventurous. So, well, Kate, were you always like an adventurous kid? And, and this first 50 miler, were you, were you 22 years old or was this like, are you like 15? I'm just, I mean, you did, you never signed up for like a local 5k. It was just like 50 miler right away. I was 21, uh, when I did my first 50 and that's actually where I met my husband. So that's, um, <laughs> that was pretty crazy, but I was 21 when I signed up. I was a totally adventurous kid. I drove my parents crazy because I had so much energy. And but my parents were the type that you don't do sport as a profession. You don't even do sport to go to college and do sport. Like you do it for fun. You do every sport, you know, basketball, volleyball, golf, swimming, diving. I mean, name it, I did it. And I was good at every sport I did. And I loved each and every one of them. But it was never instilled in us that you're a great athlete and you pursue one passion. I was one of five. So I didn't have the time to be a club swimmer. You didn't have a time to be, to go to, you know, all these sporting events. So you kind of just had to do what was in school and we just did all sorts of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I had a lot of energy. I mean, I still have a lot of energy. I think that's why I still need to... <laughs> I still feel it because I go crazy. Like I really do have a lot of energy. My dad, I drive him crazy because I just stop running around the house. Just stop doing. I'd be like, dad, I want to see if I can do a hundred somersaults in a row. This was like, I always remember doing somersaults. I don't know what it was. We had this big family room, but I just want to do a hundred. I want to see if I can do a hundred. My dad's like, no, no hundred. Like just stop. I can just stop. I think I was always meant to do this. I just didn't know that it existed. Uh, so. So thank God I found it, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like endurance sports are definitely the outlet for you. So you had found, you know, ultra running. You had found trail running. It sounds like you loved it right off the bat. You found your husband apparently on the trails too, right? So (laughs) what led you to kind of switch then over to triathlon? So my husband I met, he was actually volunteering at the race. Uh, My friend and well my not my friend then but now he's our friend Andy and him were buddies they met at like a double Ironman so this is like and he goes down to McNaughton to help Andy run this trail race which is a 50 mile trail race and it had a 100 mile trail race and it had a 150 mile trail race so it's like three days people are running so my husband who lived in New York City came out to help him run the race so I met him at mile 30 
I really wanted Lifesavers, which is weird because I never, I don't think I've ever ate a Lifesaver since, but like, it was my first <laughs> race and I did really weird things. Like I ate a marshmallow, which is really weird because it, I don't, it's a bad idea. So anyway, so I really needed a Lifesavers, mile 30. And Andy looked at me and he said, oh, I know who has all the Lifesavers, that man over there. And it was Mike, my husband. And then I go up to Mike and I'm like, oh, do you have some Lifesavers? And Mike says, oh, just reach into my pocket. And I'm like, listen, buddy, like fool me once, but don't fool me twice. Like I've been told this many times. Anyway, so I reach into his pocket. He had like a hundred Lifesavers in there. I'm like, why do you have all? but he was like up through the night right because he's been just running and helping pacing people it's a 10 mile loop so people just run anyway so I got my lifesaver but he's really cute and at that time I was kind of broken up with my other boyfriend you know I had things anyway so after the race which is really I do not do this I he gave me his I told him that I was a biker because I heard he was a biker because he was doing triathlon. So I said, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm thinking about biking. I bike a little bit. I did not. I was not thinking about biking, but sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. So he gave me his email and his number. Anyway, I'm telling this story because he was doing Ironman, you know, and he was, a, he's a really good biker, really good. And so we met there and then, you know, he's, I'm coming out of college. I'm doing the ultras. He knew I grew up swimming. So he says, have you ever thought about doing triathlon professionally? <laughs> I, didn't know. I mean, it's like you're graduating college. We're totally in love. We're young. I think we were dating for maybe seven months. Then I was like, hey, I'm gonna move to New York. <laughs> My parents are not happy, um, but I was in love, so it didn't really matter. And so I moved to New York and I was like, well, what should I do? And he's like, I really think you can make it in triathlon. So I think you should just give it a go. Had, wait, had you done a triathlon at this point? No, no, I have no idea. <laughs> what I'm facing you, man, I, this is a... I never have been on a bike. So like really, I mean, I biked like as a kid, but I'm talking like a tri bike. No. I mean, I grew up swimming. So that's, you know, swimming's just time. My form is good. I'm good, but I hate swimming, by the way. So, but anyway, and then I'm, you know, I had the running, but the funny thing is, is I never really ran fast. There's one moment in high school that you could see. I, I think I ran like a, a 56 second 400 for a four by four relay. Wow. But it was well, fun year. So it was, I do have some speed. I have never seen it since. I'm still looking for it, <laughs> but I know it's there. I don't know. Yeah, my husband must have faith. I think he honestly, he just wanted me to be his training partner. He's like, you know what? This girl probably doesn't have it, but I want her on a bike and I want her because he would just do, you know, we didn't have kids, right? So it's like on the weekends, we would bike minimum 10 hours total. Like, because he loved biking. So we do these crazy nutty rides. And he's like, listen, you got to get in shape and we got to just go. So that was it. So I learned to bike in New York City in Central Park. And the first time I would walk, I would. So we were on 55th and 6th, if anyone knows New York City. I would walk my bike to the park with my shoes in my bag because I didn't want to clip in out my door because you have to ride up. 
6th Avenue. And I'm like, I'm just not ready for months. And Mike was like, please, Kate, for the love of God, grow up and just put your shoe, just clip on and bike through the city. And I was like, oh, first time I did it, the light turned yellow. I panicked, turned red, panicked. And I, I didn't unclip. And I literally am on like one of those, you know, like we had a nice bike, $10,000 bike. You got your helmet. You're all fancy. I fall in the middle of the crosswalk in New York City. You know, there's hundreds and thousands of pedestrians. Not one person helped. I was so mortified. I'm sitting there in the middle of the crosswalk, clipped into my bike. People just walk around you and like pretty much spit on you. Like you absolute moron. Just get up. It was so mortifying, guys. I That's like, everyone has that. Everyone has that where you, you fall over. I mean, it happens to everyone where you just like, are you like you're clipped in and you like, you think your right foot is out and your left foot's out and you go the wrong side, but falling over in, in, a, in, a, in a crosswalk in Bozeman is probably not that big a deal, but I feel like <laughs> falling over a crosswalk in New York city is terrifying. Who thinks she's so good and her shit doesn't stink and look at her now. Stuck oh, but, okay. Okay. But <laughs> Things got better, right? Because you did. Yeah. You, I mean, we talk about this crazy start you had in the sport, but you did yeah. become a professional triathlete and you yeah. had some success. I did. I mean, you know what? It's just if you if you're an athlete, right? Like if you're just an athlete, if you know how to swim and you can run, you can bike. You just got to put the time in on the bike. Um, biking is does not come natural to me. I just you just put the time in though, the hours and the hours. It's same with swimming, hours and hours. It's so much time. And if you're committed to that and you love it, you you can make it. I feel like I wasn't a phenom. You know, there's girls like Chrissy is our friend, Chrissy Wellington. I mean, she's kind of a phenom, right? She came out. My husband was at the first race when she was in Korea. She raced that really hot race. I mean, she came out firing. I did not come out firing. Like I worked and worked and worked, you know? And to this day, do not believe I had one good triathlon. I might be really hard on myself, but I just think I fell short. I've had great running races where I'm proud of, but my triathlon, I'm like, oh, something fell off. Like whether my swim wasn't great, whether my run was slow, whether I biked horrible the first half. Oh my gosh. It's just long races and there's a lot going on. And I just felt like I never pieced it together. So <laughs> it's kind of bittersweet. I think a lot of people would look at your races and probably be surprised to hear you say that because, you know, you did like you won your age group quite young, you know, in at Ironman Louisville and did quite well. When you turned pro, you had, you know, several top five finishes and stuff like that. And I think that feeling though of kind of not putting it all together is probably pretty common in triathlon, right? Because we're dealing with like three sports and to nail all three perfectly and to feel like you walked away, like nailing them on the day is, is really, really difficult to do. So it's, it's a different kind of sport in that sense, probably than, than pure running, which we'll get to you with that career soon too. But I want to hear more about team TBB. So how did that decision to join the, that squad come about. And for our listeners who might not be as familiar with that, that was like one of the original professional triathlon squads um, under Brett Sutton. And you guys had camps kind of all over the world and really trained. It was like one of the true squad environments, right? And did you, did you like that? So I never had a coach and I still don't have a coach now. So I guess Brett was my only singular coach. Which I, 
he really only coached you thoroughly when you were there at camp. Otherwise, he'd give you like, this is what I want you to do. You kind of talk with him, but you're kind of on your own unless you're at camp, right? That's just how we work because he wants to see you every day. He wants to see how you're doing, how you're pushing. I was friends with Hillary. Um, she was on Team TBB and a friend with Chris, friends with Chrissy and she's on Team TBB. Now, they weren't on the team at the same time as me. They left for different reasons, but just knowing their experiences and knowing how Brett coached, I said, this guy is for me. You know, because I just like putting in the work and I like someone who's really tough on me. I don't, I don't really, I don't want someone to say, oh, you're, oh, you don't feel good. You can just maybe cut the work out. I love just being pushed out outside my comfort zone. So Kate, how long were you with Team TBB and, and what, like, I mean, I know that ultimately you moved out of triathlon. Like, what was that process? So I was with the team probably for about seven or eight months. And I mean, I loved my time with the team and I actually really loved Brett as a coach for me. Uh, even though he was, he plays, you know, certain people, he, he coaches everybody different and he kind of learns how you are as a person, not what will bother you, but what's going to push you to the next level. So he, he plays certain type of mind games. So my thing is he knew as an athlete that I hate swimming. This, no, everybody knows this. <laughs> I really hate swimming. And so he wanted, I don't know. You would think that he'd say, okay, I want her to enjoy swimming. No, he wanted me to suffer during swimming. And he wanted me to put in 50 to 60,000 yards. And like, you are going to swim. You know, you can swim 52 minutes. So you should be swimming 52 minutes. Um, I never even swam close to 52 minutes. I think my best time was maybe 58 or 59. But he said, listen, like you have the talent. So one, he called me Baywatch. Cause I wear these red suits. Uh, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And so here's one of the swim stories is we're doing 40 times 100. And he says, you're going to sit on Bella's feet because she's the toughest swimmer and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay. And, you know, I saw a softer side of Bella, but at that time, Bella's like, listen, we're going to swim. You better stay on my effing feet. All right. Like <laughs> she was focus, man. And so I'm like, okay, like I got to just stay on her feet. So it's the worst day. Like we already biked five hours. We're in a 90 degree pool. It's 500 degrees outside. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't let you have water by the pool. So that's just another thing where I'm like, can I just have some water? <laughs> anyway, so go 40 times 100. I don't know where I'm like 120 or 130, pretty much no rest. And you warm up with like 25s. So it's weird. It's not your first workout is in 40 times 100. First, he makes you guys do all out 25 meter sprints as a team until he's like, okay, now we'll do the workout. Anyway, so we're going and we're doing and I'm hanging in there and I'm doing it and I'm dying and I'm miserable. And everyone turns weird. Like, I guess, I don't know if it's, do the Europe's do flip turns? They come out the other way. I have no idea because I was like so confused when I was there. I was like, why is it? It's a British thing or an Australian The thing? Australians do it the other way. Yeah. <laughs> they go the other direction. That would make sense. Because I flipped turn like this. That was really, it's like a mind stare. Like, you have to stare everyone in the face when you flip turn. So I had to learn how to flip turn that way. And it was really weird. Anyway, so that probably is why I lost all that time. Anyway, so we finished out the workout. Brett's like, all right. And this is the whole team. So Baywatch. And I'm like, oh, don't call my name. <laughs> I'm like, what do you want? He's like, all right, you're going to swim 100 on 110. And I'm dead 
I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna do it. Everyone's looking at me like they want to get out of this pool. And because it's a get out swim, right? Like you're, he said that yeah, if, if you do if you it, we're out. this is what he said. Baywatch does that. So everyone's watching me on your marks, get set, go. Um, I think I even let him let me take a dive into the pool. I said, I'm really good. I just need a dive. <laughs> good negotiation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I'm swimming so hard. It's like the Olympic, you know, I'm going, I did my regular flip turn because no one was in the pool. So that helped. And then I come around and I smashed three or four seconds. Felt so good about myself. But I was like, oh, Baywatch, you feel so good. My swim workout wasn't hard enough for you. That's it, everybody. Three times 400, go. And it's like, everyone looks at you. They know how Brett is, but everyone looks at you. <laughs> like you're the most evil being. Like it was your fault for making the time. It was your oh fault that they were God. still so hard. So anyway, so we go, we do the performance. It's absolutely miserable. And it's like, all right, Baywatch. <laughs> what? Another <laughs> like, hundred. I want that. I'm like, okay, what do I do? So I just dive in and I swim. And I, I, it was horrible, you guys. I was so tired and so thirsty that um, I think I did, yeah, two minutes probably. He's <laughs> like, all right, looks like you guys are done. Get out. And then, you know, he'll tell you, Meet me at the, um, we had either a hill climb for runs or this 5K loop we do. Everyone meet me in two hours at the 5K loop thing. And we're like, oh, we're so miserable. Such a long day. So anyway, that was Brett. But in some ways, I really like that, even though the swimming part was just tragic. I mean, he made me do crazy things that I still am like, uh, the marathon at noon on the track and uh, everyone else got to do it in the morning or the night or split it up. But he's like, Baywatch, you're at noon on the track. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, but I actually, that was no problem because I really like running. I like suffering running. I can accept suffering running. I have a hard time except suffering in the pool. And I do have a hard, hard time suffering on the bike. But running, I'm like, so this is the thing I found about myself. But anyway, so I ended up leaving the team, not because of Brett, but because of the management of the team. And now, a lot of people talk about this, but the manager of the team was a skeevy guy, like a snake oil salesman. Really, it just couldn't be trusted. And he handed me a contract for the year. And mind you, he didn't hand me a contract for a while, but it was like six months in, he hands me a contract. He's like, this is your contract, uh, pal, or you just, you got to sign it. And so uh, I get the contract. And my husband's a business guy. So it's very easy to be like, uh, okay, but I'm any moron can read a contract and say, Hey, you say, we're going to take a blank percentage of your winnings. Um, can you please tell me what percentage of my winnings you're going to take before I sign the contract? There's just like a blank line. Like literally there's a blank line on the page and you know, it's like just, you know, everyone just signs this because we figure out, you know, how well you're doing. I said, well, I'm not going to sign a contract until you tell me how much percentage of your winnings you can take. You could say 80, you could say 90, you could say five, you could say 10. Like what is going on? This is really weird. But then besides that, it was weird stuff with the bike and shipping and sponsors, logistics. And I didn't like anything of it because it was very mismanaged. And so unfortunately, I left just due to the mismanagement of the team and uh, Brett at the time really stuck up for the manager, but then something happened between them, which I, you know, heard. And then he just totally called them out, which is very funny because then I'm like, 
Oh, no, really. But um, I mean, I had a few people warn me before going in that this was the case, but to see it up close was very frustrating. It's, it just wasn't right what he did to some of the triathletes. So that was really frustrating um, to, to leave a team that you knew could have helped you. But then I was just trying to figure out what to do from there. I was still racing. And I mean, I did, I think I did next. I did um, Ironman St. George when it was still amazing. And it, I don't know if you guys ever did that, but when they had Ironman St. George, they had an epic marathon. It was so many hills, so much climbing. It was, it was pretty insane. And I think they canceled that Ironman because people just weren't going to sign up for it because it was too hard. But I like that. I really like that, even though, um, but you know what happened? Here's the other thing. So I was at Ironman St. George and I'm running and you're trying to make money, right? And I think I was in, I was in fourth place on the run and I'm running as hard as I can, but they had that rule in place at that time that if you weren't percentage of the winner, you don't get paid. And, you know, that paycheck was like $4,000 or 3,500 or something. And here you are fighting, right? To I didn't have a great first loop of the bike because I, the water was like 47 degrees that year. And I came out, I, I think my eardrums froze or something, but I was so dizzy. So the first loop was horrible. The second loop was great on the bike. I don't know. So, but you're out there still fighting to, to not quit, to go through this run. And they're telling me, and I'm on the cusp. My husband tells me, Kate, you are on the cusp of getting paid or not paid because blah, 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 just finished. I forgot who it was. It might've been, oh, I don't know. They finished and you're really right in that line and you got to run. And I had six miles left and oh, it was so frustrating just to know I wasn't chasing anybody, but I had to dig so deep because it's like, that's what you're, you need that, you need that money. And it was just becoming so frustrating. Anyway, I did make the money, but I tell you ladies, I'm not kidding. I finished the race and no one knew yet. I had gotten that money by four seconds and four seconds later, I would not have gotten a paycheck. I know, but see, it was really frustrating because everyone, so now if you get a flat tire in a race, right, which happens or something happens on the bike and they had this rule in place, I think they revoked it because people were so frustrated, but in the time they had this, it's like, well, you might as well just quit. You're not going to get paid no matter what you do. It, it was like a really frustrating and then I had some sponsors. Well, I was just so, <laughs> so frustrating. Anyway, we wanted to start a family. So we were thinking about it. I mean, I wasn't quite ready because I wasn't done with triathlon. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out because there's some girls that figured it out. I haven't figured it out. I haven't had my great race, but we were going to, you know, you never know how long it's going to take you to have a baby. But um, so it was a little bit of a surprise because it happened like right away. <laughs> so, which is great, but it kind of changed my perspective. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm going to take a whole different approach after I have this baby because I want to stay home. So I can't train 30 hours a week, but I'm going to be more efficient. You know, I'm going to do things differently. Um, but at the same time, there was that nagging thought in my back of my head, like, Kate, you just want to run. You just want to run. You just want to run. And I was like, no, I, I, I didn't, do what I wanted to do in triathlon. I didn't, I failed. Like I'm a failure right now. And I don't, I mean, but it, it was for me, I kept thinking I failed. I failed in triathlon. I didn't make it 
I wasn't a professional. I didn't make enough money to even call myself a professional. And I, it's not about, you know, the races weren't horrible. I always placed top five. I always placed top eight in my halves. But it's, you know, if you're deeming yourself a professional, and maybe it's because I live in New York City too, it's like, you better be making a certain amount of money or it doesn't matter what you call yourself, you're not a professional. And I wasn't. I wasn't professional. And so I, I really shouldn't have went back because I mentally wanted to just run. And, um, but I went back because I, I was so frustrated with myself and I thought I was going to figure it out. Um, so I went back to rep three. Um, and I think my son was maybe seven or eight months. And that was the first race or the only race I'd say it's the only race that I ever quit that I could have finished. Like I just quit because I was just mentally done. I was embarrassed. I'm not going to lie. Like I really was embarrassed that day. I was done. So I was just pressing to my son and he never ate food until like a year old. So, you know, you do the whole, uh, wake up in the morning, you try to pump and feed him. And so then you do the swim and then the bike. And I was last, last out of the swim blast out of the bike. It's totally demoralizing. I was so tired. My boobs are totally full. I was leaking milk everywhere. I get off the bike. I see my husband. I just broke down. I'm not a wuss. <laughs> like I don't break down, but I was just so tired and tired of keeping pushing in a sport that I felt like wasn't giving me back. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And this is totally different. Everyone's to story is totally different. This is my own experience. Some people love it's. It's like, I just wanted to run. I just didn't want to try to be a career, make this a career anymore. I didn't want to play all the games. There's so many games. Um, it's so interesting, Kate, because just hearing you talk about that Rev3 experience now, you know, eight years later, it's like, I think Haley would probably say this too. We're quite used to women on the start line that we're competing against who are, you know, hurriedly before the start breastfeeding or pumping and doing all this stuff. And I wonder now there's almost like a more of a camaraderie with it, I think, and more of like a shared experience. And it's just interesting to think, you know, and it, it, it's heartbreaking to hear, you know, that and to know, I guess that eight years ago, that probably wasn't the case. And you probably felt a little bit more alone and like, it wasn't really an option to keep getting after it in, in triathlon, you know, like you didn't have a lot of resources and support out there. I mean, I started from, I felt like after I missed son, I started from ground zero again. Cause no, you know, I wasn't good enough for a sponsor to say, oh, we'll stay. Or, you know, you, you didn't really have social media that, I mean, no one, you were just like going from ground zero. But I think the biggest thing is my heart was out of it too. So it, in some ways, even though I, I did quit that race, it was good because <clears throat> I really just started going after, like, I want to run and that's it. Like I never tried to get fast in running. And I said, I just want to run. Like, so I changed like immediately. And I think that day I signed up for a 50 mile race in Switzerland in um, August. So two months later, cause I was like, you know what? I'm not, I just, I just need to go in the mountains and I just need to run. I was so like relieved and happy. And so from there, I, I mean, I just, then I said, you know what? I really want to try to get faster in running. I never tried to get faster in running. So that was, so then from, that's when I started just going over to running, but I really had to <clears throat> relearn everything because I didn't go through high school running and I didn't go through college running. 
And then I just started running long for that first 50 mile race, but I didn't have a coach. And then I went in triathlon. So when I went back to get faster, it's like, I am like a baby in this sport, not a prodigy, not great. Didn't come out and run a 228 marathon right away. Um, because I had to, I like to learn all things myself. Um, I don't want to have a coach because life is, you know, especially with kids and I think it takes the fun out of it. So wait, do you have any regrets? I just want to go back to triathlon a little bit, but do you have any regrets about, about leaving triathlon? Like now that you see how things have played out, or I know that I think you qualified for Kona in 2010 and didn't take your spot as a pro. I mean, do you regret that? Or are you just like at peace with that? And you're just like, no, I love running. So I didn't, that's actually funny to bring that up. I didn't take 2010. I did qualify as a pro for Kona, but from like a career professional stance, it didn't make sense for me to fly all the way to Kona and race there because I thought the chances of me getting top 10 were very slim. So I said, I should be racing another Ironman or another half and making money instead of spending all that money to go travel. I didn't have sponsors that were going to, fly me out there. So I also have raced Hawaii before and I know it's not, it is not my favorite race. <laughs> it is tough. I don't care what anyone says. It is tough. And I went, the year I raced it was such a windy year and there's one weather phenomenon that I hate and it's wind <laughs> and wind on a bike. And so I was like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to go to Kona. I'm just going to raise another Ironman. So. Well, some things haven't changed because I think that's the feeling a lot of women have now in the pro field that like, you know, maybe it's not the best or like smartest business decision to like get myself and pay the thousands of dollars to get out there. So that's still a pretty a common theme to hear now, you know, 10 years after that. So that's interesting. But as you started to get you. So you sign up for a 50 miler, you know, in Europe, you want to get back into the mountains and you're trying to figure it out on your own. And so that's around like 2011, I guess. And then by 2014, you clearly had figured some things out because you were in pretty good ultra shape and you raced the ice age 50 mile and you won, you beat Casey Lichtig, who those people familiar with the ultra running community would best know her as she went on two years later to win the Western States hundred miler. And in fact, at that race, you actually earned a golden ticket to ultra running's big dance, the Western States 100. And you know, you, you actually turned that spot down. So for our triathletes, <laughs> once again, that's comparable to turning down a Kona spot. So what was that decision? Like, like, have you, you know, was it, that couldn't have been kind of the same situation where it's like, uh, you know, there's no money at Western States. At least I'm pretty sure there's still, <laughs> there wasn't then. And, you know, it's, it, you know, I guess it's not necessarily a business thing. It's only California versus Hawaii. Right. So like, what was your thought process for not going to that race? I get off on turning, turning things off. <laughs> That's like my thing. No, you know, it's funny. It's because I turned it down because running a hundred, my mindset was I wanted to get faster still on the road. Running a hundred, it makes you slow. It just, you kind of risk. I'm not totally like I'm, I wouldn't say that now. I don't feel such then, but even at that point I had run one 100 and I knew how much a hundred mile takes out of you. I ran Vermont hundred, but, um, 
it just takes so much out of you. Like you kind of have, I feel like you, you gain so much from a hundred. It's amazing. It's like you live a hundred years in a hundred, but you also probably lose a life. So I'm very careful with the hundred mile distance because you can overdo it. Um, and you could lose your speed. So at that point I said, I still haven't done, I still want to get faster on the road. I don't want to just, cause if I, I felt like if I committed to Western, I was going to get totally sucked into ultras. I love ultras. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like when I'm 50 and 60, I can run like as many hundreds as I want, but there's only so much time you have to really see what kind of speed you have. It doesn't mean I don't keep my toe in the water, but I feel like marathon training goes really hand in hand with 50 mile racing, even hundred K not so much for a hundred miler. So I said, I'm just, it was a little bit, it took some time to think about it, but I turned it down. And it's funny because this year I was going to try to get to Western States a golden ticket. I'm signed up for a Bandera 100K, but my husband has been in the lottery for six years and we both cannot race on the same time. He says we can't. I don't know how with two kids you're racing on the same day or for like the next two days following, right? So I'm like, yeah, that is a horrible idea. So I said, I can't actually go for it because your chances of getting in are just every year. And lo and behold, he got in this year. So I that's when I flip-flopped and I was like, but I want to do an ultra. And that's why I did JFK this year. I was like, I still just really want to run. I love 50s. I mean, I, 50, I have not done, the only race distance I have not done is 100K. Um, so that one would be very interesting. But a 50 miler is, um, I love that distance. I absolutely, I, I adore that. I adore that distance. So, and JFK was, it was the most perfect race I've ever ran in my entire life. Triathlons, you know, like it, it, I, the best race I've ever ran and just how I felt and how I finished. Um, and those come few and far between. A lot of my races are <laughs> and a struggle. Not saying they're not good times, but unfortunately um i don't have gems all the time <laughs> but that was a gem and so it was funny because someone's like oh you're gonna go back i said i will never ever run jfk 50 miler again because i can't have a better experience i can't there's no way so i said i'm just closing that door i'm leaving it as gold and i'm walking away so there is next year possibly well because my husband's doing western states so i'm gonna pace him the last whatever. I don't know if I'm just do 20 or if I'm going to do, I think you can pace for 40. I'm like, listen, I'm not, I'm not pacing you for 40. Like, I don't love you that much. Like there's only so much I can take. So I said, me and my friend are going to, you know, uh, take this, but I think I'm going to kind of get hooked in, you know, when you go somewhere and you're like, I gotta do this. So maybe next year I'm going to put my ring in the hat, but these races are so competitive now. You don't just go show up at hundred K you have to go be ready in top condition to get a golden ticket. So the only way I would do it just with travels and logistics is I would pick one race and I'd say, I'm going to go run a hundred and that's it. It's not, Oh, I'm going to chase black canyons. I'm going to chase whatever bandit. I'm going to chase all these races. No, I'm going to just do one. And, and so I, I just want to give our listeners a little bit more context around the JFK 50 mile. So that is actually, it's like called the nation's oldest ultra marathon. Um, so it's, it's huge. I think like over a thousand people typically get in and run it and it draws like, it's a 
it's a very, you know, it's trail and on a towpath and on road. So it's a mix of everything. So it typically draws like a big field of elites also to kind of compete. And it's like one of those, we all wait with kind of bated breath to see who's going to JFK and who's going to, who's going to run. And Kate, you've run a 240 road marathon. And so you took that speed to JFK for sure. And you had a time of six hours and 40 minutes. So for more context for our listeners, so I have, I've run a 738 on that course and I was quite happy. And that was the year I was like, okay, I never have to go back here. <laughs> um, so a 640 is, is absolutely flying. Um, and it was not a good condition year for you. Like I've heard that just the towpath was like, there were sections of just mud and muck yeah. and all sorts. So it was, mud. it was a slower condition year. And to pull that out is nothing short of phenomenal, not to mention the fact that it's, it's actually really unique to have roadrunners be able to transition pretty seamlessly between not only distances, but also terrain like that. Like I think just this week, right? Kara Goucher's getting so much attention for, she's going to do the Leadville trail marathon. And so it's kind of cool now, like hopefully this brings more attention, you know, and kind of a little bit more of a stage to trail running and hopefully ultra running. I know Kara has also talked about a 50 K. So I'll just say that, you know, you're, you're one step ahead of Kara Goucher. So that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to ask you a little bit though, about life. You've mentioned a lot about, you know, your husband races and you have two kids now and you travel a lot with them. And I've, I've read that you said that you really just prefer to bring the whole gang with you and have them there. And like everyone picks up and goes to where you're racing. So it requires a lot of planning, but do you have a favorite, like family friendly race and like any tips at all? Like, are there secrets of the trade to, to pull that kind of thing off? A lot of times, um, I beg my mom to come out (laughs) like we, okay. So this summer, both Mike and I went to do grandma's. I was doing grandma's half. He was doing grandma's full. So, and I grew up three hours East of grandma. That's where my mom's cabin still is near Lake Superior. So I always say, Oh, Hey mom, don't you want to come to Duluth and stay in a hotel and watch my kids. (laughs) So she's really good. She will help us out. Um, and my husband's parents are amazing and love to travel. So we're like, Hey, do you guys want to go to Tahoe in June? Um, they're like, okay, what's this? (laughs) So Mike has to run hundred. Kate's going to pay some wet. Who knows? God knows what time I'm going to pay some. So you want to watch, you know, help us out. So, but they are going to come. So we made a week trip of it with them coming. Uh, so having moms and dads that are willing to travel and help that helps out a lot. Also, Mike's aunt has helped us out a lot. She was there in Hartford when we were in a hotel, she came and watched her kids for four hours while we both ran the Hartford marathon and she watched them in the hotel. So luckily my kids are getting, at first I would feel really guilty. Um, and I'd have to have Mike there. And I, I the first year I had Hazel, I only ran a half, like I didn't run long races cause I was still breastfeeding completely. And it was just, for me, it was, you know, and I breastfed on demand, which makes it even more complicated. So anyway, I didn't do a lot of long races, but now they're three and a half and seven and a half and they're really much easier and I don't feel as guilty, but I have never actually left my kids ever. Um, I'm just 
my husband laughs at me because like, oh, you could go do black hair. Go ahead. I just do that. But I homeschool my son and my parents and his parents don't live anywhere near the city. And uh, I've never left them. And so it like brings me to tears. So I'm one of those where I'm like, I can't do it. (laughs) It'll probably change as they get older, but it's a little complicated. I just like everyone being together and us all going places. And they're so young for so sure. I don't, I really, as listen, I have moments where I want to duct tape my kids to walls, but I don't want to miss anything. I really don't. I love it. We have so much fun and traveling with them is so fun, even though it's so frustrating sometimes and just like why it's like you know because you have all these things going on but it is such a blast I wouldn't have it any other way it's because you know what they're just a part of it they're a part of the whole entire journey I mean I still run with my daughter in a stroller I still run with my daughter or my Anders on the bike he bikes like 20 miles a week because we always just bike in the city down to his classes and stuff and I run and so they're like there's so much part of all that we do so I cannot imagine just leaving them um but anyway the moral of the story is great parents make things easier (laughs) so So. Kate what what is next for you where can we follow you and cheer you on at the in 2019 um, so next is Boston and the Boston I, Marathon. The Boston yeah. Marathon. This isn't some like elusive Boston. Uh, <laughs> it's a little stressful because I think these, um, that's like a big race with, a, obviously people are like, no, no, it's a big race. No, but I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of, you almost, I, I, I don't want to say I have anxiety, but you just feel like, oh my God, I had to, this is why I love heart for a marathon. It's a little lower key, little tier B race. I show up, I don't feel so, oh. but Boston, I'm like, I gotta be ready. Gotta be ready. Oh my God. But anyway, Boston marathon, my goal is to crack into the two thirties. Um, I will be happy with a two thirty nine fifty nine, but I am just sitting at that six minute mark per pace because it's a nice number, you know, like, 239.59 is like some like obscure 603, 604. I'm like, just train for sixes. And I just think going into the 230s, even though it's, my husband likes to point out like, Kate, okay, that's really only 16 seconds faster than your PR. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's totally, any runner knows like, no. Okay. Just no. It's completely different to say, um, 230, blah, blah, blah. It's a whole, you feel like you, you went into a different level. So I'm pushing that and let's see, you know, marathons are tough, but I feel good about it. I do. So that's next. And then I, (laughs) I'm going back to Hartford marathon for sure, because it is my favorite and I want to win it. I've been there. I think this will be my fourth or fourth year. So, and I just love that race. It feels like home and they're so nice. They're just like the kindest people. So I'll be there. But then. I got to see if I want to put in for that Western States. I always throw stuff in though. I can't, you know, like for me looking at races and schedules, I like to race a lot. I like to do just off the beat races. All of a sudden I'll be like, oh yeah, I am going to do a 50K or so I never know. And you know what? That's what I love. Cause I was just like, yep, I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> but those two for sure, because I really want to run in the 230. That's just driving me right now. It's exciting. Well, I think our listeners I know are going to be glued watching that women's field. And we're super excited that you'll get to be a part of such a strong field this year at Boston. And we'll be cheering for you all the way to to slide under that 240 mark. But 
Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think you can do it. And then I'm my, like, my eyes are twinkling, just like seeing you talk about Western States, because I think you have a really good shot when you decide to go race that race too. So, um, Thanks for joining us today to our listeners too. So Kate is in New York city and has graciously kind of found the, the one safe closet in her home without the kids um, and you know, the quiet noise. So New York city life for everyone there, but thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. And we just are super excited to watch you as you continue racing and on the, on the roads and the trails. Yeah. So fun to talk to you too. And, I love following both of you and what you're doing. I mean, it's fun. You know what I mean? It's just so fun to see everyone exploring their potential and adventures. And it makes you be like, I can't go do that. <laughs> so it's fun. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including Kicker Smart Trainers, Element Bike Computers, and Ticker Heart Rate Monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. Haley, have you ever run the Boston Marathon? I have, Alyssa. I ran it in 2008, so 11 years ago, which is kind of crazy. It was it was before my triathlon days, and I flew up there by myself. I only could have I only stayed one night in a hotel room the night before, and I was really really overwhelmed. And um, I actually walked to the start line with Sister Madonna Booter. So it was, uh, it was kind of a, it was a, a kind of fortuitous, um, meeting, but that's, that's what start Corral I was in. I was in the same start Corral as sister Madonna. <laughs> that's awesome. And so I, we were, I think we were there the same year. I'm pretty sure I did it in 2008. I did it 2006, 2007. And I, I want to say my third year was 2008. It might've been 09, but we should look it up and see if we were there together. Oh man, that's crazy. We raced. <laughs> maybe we, maybe we can run a contest and we won't look and have our listeners. We'll put on our Instagram story. You can vote to see who you think beat who in the 2008 Boston marathon. And hopefully we both ran it because I need to confirm that detail. Um, but it is a fun race. It's like, it's an experience. It's a, I mean, I went back a few years, so, you know, it's, it's definitely fun. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, I went from being a swimmer to kind of doing races like that. And I just remember being so overwhelmed by so many people yelling at me. <laughs> like I just wasn't used to that. I was so used to having my head in the water. I mean, like, obviously there's a lot of cheering and swimming because you're kind of in a more of a stadium setting, but you don't, can't hear it as well. And in Boston, it was like, Oh my goodness. And if you get next to one of those people who has like their name on their bib, it's like, go John, go John for like 26.2 miles. But, um, it was, it was a very cool experience. I would definitely highly recommend it. And I'm, I'm really excited to watch Kate this week because there's nothing like having a horse in the race. And now I feel like I, I actually know someone in the elite women's field and that might be a first. So that's going to be really, really fun to watch how Kate does this, um, on Monday. I agree. I'm very excited to see good luck, Kate. If you, if you're tuning into us while you have your feet up and are getting ready to, to go race, um, and other items is just remember, this is your last day. If you are listening on Thursday, the day the podcast comes out to enter the Zelios contest, go to livefeisty.com forward slash win Zelios to win all sorts of fun Zelio, a big Zelios prize package, basically all of the, all of the things from Zelios. 
That's right. And if you aren't listening on Thursday, you can always go to teamzelios.com and use the code IRONWOMEN for 20% off any purchase there. So thank you so much for supporting the podcast and supporting our sponsors. All right, Haley, I'll talk to you next week. Bye, Alyssa. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners, Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FQC Nutrition, and Smash Fest Queen.